There was the possibility of going to work through my pregnancy and I said, my instinct tells me that my body and my mind won't be able to do that. And I spent my whole pregnancy in the country on the ride on mower for way too long into my pregnancy <laughs> until I got I've got a, a vision in my head of you on there. <laughs> eight and a half months pregnant. Wasn't quite eight and a half months, but it was, the it was close yeah. until I got in a lot of trouble from my <laughs> obstetrician. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. Welcome back. Hello, lovely. Hello, lovely. How are, don't repeat me. Oh, I can't help <laughs> myself. I can't help myself. You how are it. you today? I'm good. I'm really well. How are you? Do you know, I've just got back from the most peaceful week away. Tell us so about it. I am feeling much more zen than when I when I left the city, that's for sure. A week away with kids isn't necessarily always a holiday, is it? Look, I have to say, I still did a lot of washing and a lot of cleaning <laughs> and a lot of cooking. Shared with Same my husband, shit, I will add. Place. Same shit, different location, that's for sure. But no, we went to Y River. It is such a beautiful place beautiful part of Victoria just oh my god that part of the coastline is amazing and the landscape we went on incredible bushwalks there was no street lights you'd look out into the sky and it was just black with just beautiful stars everywhere every night so it was a much needed escape out of Melbourne so I'm mm. feeling pretty good bit of relaxation and rejuvenation my dear love Definitely. to hear it now let's not you? waffle on today. No, well, let's I'm not good. waffle let's on. Not waffle let's not waffle on, though, on because we are here for the one and only Asha Keddy. <gasps> Do you know what? This was such a great episode to record, and you were mm. actually just saying to me prior to us clicking record that you resonated with so much of what Asha said, and I could not agree mm. with you more. Loved her. She was great. Yeah, she was just such a great conversation. I didn't actually realise that I would click with her so easily or or resonate so much with so much that she said. But I think now we can all hold hands together and skip <laughs> off into the sunset and be besties, right? The hills are alive with the sound of music. <laughs> yes, so random. Away, girl. <laughs> no, but she was great. You know, we chatted with her all about oh, so much stuff. Motherhood, pregnancy, her relationship with Vincent and his dyslexia. And one thing that I love about our conversation with Asha is she has such a positive approach to Vincent and his dyslexia. And I really found that so inspiring. And it was so good to hear about this from an everyday life and family perspective. Mm, I agree. We were talking about that prior to chatting to her and she lived up to more than what we expected in that sense, didn't we? Like she gave us some really great insight into how she deals with it, how he deals with it, how they cope with it on a day-to-day basis. I just think it's really important to start celebrating more neurodiversity in the world and normalising it, normalising it, bridging the gap between neurotypical and, and neurodivergent people. I think it's I think it's really important. It's part of sort of the society that we live in now. Like there's definitely a movement in much in a much more open-minded direction, which is yeah. great. And I am all for that. And I loved chatting to her about that. Another thing that came up a lot throughout our chat with Asha was instincts and listening to your instincts and your intuition, which is mm. 
so great considering you and I spoke a lot about this in our episode, well, all about this in our our last episode. Mm. And, um, you know, Asha really spoke about how she tapped into this during her pregnancy, but just in life in general and how she's always almost been right when she listens to her instincts. Mm. So it was great to chat with her about that. Mm. Um, yeah, but let's really not good ruin- to hear other people's um, perspectives on that too, isn't it? Because obviously you and I talk about it all the time and like you said, yep. we spoke about it in a whole episode and and it's great to do that. But, yeah, we've been wanting to kind of hear our guests' thoughts on that and she did she did get, give some great insight on that. Let's not ruin too much more of her chat but what yeah, do we have in common? I know. I can- <laughs> no, there's so much more. We've only touched on it. But what do we have in common this week? I think actually on the – neurodiverse train we should talk about how we've both been watching love on the spectrum have you still been watching it I have been you know I'm hooked on this show how good is it I'm so hooked it's so good one thing I love about it is it really does give neurotypical people a greater understanding and a little bit of insight into how autistic people live and see the world yeah so differently I mean it's definitely Um, designed and produced for like you said, the neurotypical person, like obviously, oh, okay. So for, as for a bit of background, if people haven't seen it or heard of it or yep. watched it, it's basically a dating show. Yeah, and it's, it's, very, just a group, it's very authentic. Yeah, yeah, it couldn't be more authentic, I don't think. It's a group of young adults on the autism spectrum and they're all in search of love and just like it just shows them navigating the very unpredictable and sometimes very weird and wonderful world of dating and relationships. Do you know what? I was actually watching an episode last night and one of the ladies on the show said, and I'm not sure, I haven't checked or looked up this statistic, but she said that 95% of autistic people stay single, like they don't find a partner in life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as we know, dating and relationships are, they're difficult as it is. And then, you know, being sort of categorized in an area where there is such a gap between neurodivergent people and neurotypical people, it would be so hard to even open up that world. I mean, a lot of them do say, though, that they want to meet someone also on the spectrum because they have a much better understanding of each other when when they're on the spectrum. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. But I love the show and I just love that there's shows like this in the world it's just so important and such a big part of who we are and where we are at in society today. So I'm all for it. I love it. Me too. Get on board if you haven't watched it, guys. Let's move on because we do have a great episode. As mentioned before, we recently caught up with the divine Asha Keddie. Wasn't she just divine, Soph? She was, absolutely. This was a very special chat and given that Asha is a personal friend of mine, I was super excited to have her here to chat with us. She's one of Australia's most popular actresses who has won many, many awards. She's the mother of two beautiful boys and she's married to world-renowned portrait artist Vincent Fantuzzo. We spoke with her all about motherhood, creativity, her career and her relationship with Vincent, as well as dyslexia and neurodiversity. We really could have kept chatting with Asha for hours as we both thoroughly enjoyed this chat. I think it's quite a long one, so Yeah, that's um, why we want to keep this intro brief. Yeah. So <laughs> get to the an- good stuff. Enough talking about it. Here she is. Asha, welcome to Talking in Common. Thank you. So we're both very much looking forward to chatting with you today about all things family, motherhood, creativity. Likewise. And for me personally, it's lovely to have a friend on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you. And 
I'm a big fan of Offspring, so for me it's lovely to have you here too. Oh, of course. <laughs> and can we please just have a little moment on Patrick dying so early on in the series because, to be honest, I actually still have never gotten over that. That was so sad. I know. Why? I know, but you know what? This is what happens in drama. They oh. make these decisions because they're right for the show yeah. and for the journey of the characters that are left behind, I guess, which yeah. was a, an incredible journey for Nina after that very tragic mm. end. Mm. Just never gotten over it. Had to mention it. <laughs> anyway, as Kate said, we want to get to know you. So let's start with your early years. Tell us a little bit about Asha as a child. Well, I was not unlike my child, little Valentino, actually. I can recognise a lot in him now because it's how I felt and behaved. As a really young child, I was really up for life, just really outgoing. I loved anything creative and that was nurtured by my mum in particular. So I had lots of freedom in my childhood and lots of opportunities to be creative. And I was. I loved to dance. I, I sang. I was always performing in some way. So I was, yeah, I was really creative as a kid and I felt really free. I just felt very excited about life and I was, I was kind of like that for I guess until about the age of 12 and then I, I went through some changes. I think probably were a direct result of living away from home a lot as a child and working on productions for very long lengths of time and lots of fun but I think shaped me in a way that I may have been a different person. Mm. And I have no regrets about that. Now I am who I am, you know, mm. and I'm enjoying life very much now. But it was an unusual experience as a kid to have. So I did change. I became quite insular and I guess for want of a better term, shy yeah, right. through my teenage years and fairly uncomfortable in my own skin. I can relate to that. I think it's yeah. a very vulnerable age, especially as a female and yeah in those years where you're like physically changing and then also your whole world is just presented to you in a very different way once you mm. sort of get to those teenage years and it can yeah. be a strange thing to navigate through but everyone only knows their own experience I suppose. It's a huge transition it's when you huge. become a tra- teenager. Yeah I mean look maybe it was the creative in me as well yeah trying to find who I was who I wanted to be as well yeah. you know it was an interesting time so now I you know I've feel like I've come full circle back to that little girl. It's what we want for our kids, isn't it? It's just to have that feeling want. of freedom. And oh, I want that so much mm. for them. So we often find ourselves surprised by this next question when we ask our guests this. It's nothing crazy, but when you were younger, like a little girl, what did you want to be when you were growing up? (laughs) Or what did you think you wanted to be? Well, I was a bit confused because I was really, really obsessed with horses and I still am. (laughs) So is my Nina actually. Right. I really liked the idea of veterinary science but working with with horses so you surprised us yeah totally (laughs) I really liked the idea of that I mean I I thought I was an incredible horsewoman (laughs) (laughs) have you done Uh, horse whispering have you heard about that as like a oh yeah 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 (laughs) of course I went through all the all those all the different phases of working with horses yeah I can assure you so I really loved horses and I I really loved nature and I felt very at home in the outdoors. So I wanted to do something like that. I had sort of had dreams of that. But at the same time, I really was a little performer. I yeah. just was, you know. I mean, I I liked to make people laugh. 
I like to make them cry too sometimes. Yeah. That's that's an actor, you know, that's that's kind of, it was there way back then. I see that in my little boy. He has an enormous amount of fun uh, seeing how he can affect us <laughs> and he's really good at it and, he's, <laughs> and I get that and I just encourage it. I mean, I just laugh at him all the time. The innocence of their imagination as well, like Valentino is six and obviously yeah. my, Nina is five and just her imagination is wild. Yes. And the things that she believes are real and the things that she wants to create or the the way that she acts or the little shows that she puts on it's so beautiful it's so watching that as a mom we both have very expressive we do (laughs) and they get along very well they do yes (laughs) you'll have to watch those too as they grow there is one thing that I do know that we already have in common because you are a ballerina when you were younger and I was heavily into ballet myself as a child and absolutely loved it until I moved from the country to the city and then I just didn't settle into a new ballet school like I had hoped and all of that sort of thing so I let it go but I want to know a little bit about that but also how you then got into acting. I mean it was kind of a lead on this is my recollection but it may be a narrative I've created because I don't know how to answer this question over the years. I think what happened was an advertising agency came to our ballet school Uh in Melbourne And at that point, I was dancing four or five times a week and I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I loved it, Mm. but I enjoyed it and it was just, it was what I did at that time. And they cast me in an ad for like leotards (laughs) or tights or something, you know, dancewear. And I did that. And what happened from there was that I was offered a role in this fantastic show Five Mile Creek in the 1980s and I did a guest role on that and it just happened to me in the most beautifully written role for a little girl and I loved it and I do remember feeling quite happily at home on a film set straight away. It was sort of an organic process. It was, it just sort of just just happened like that and then then I got an agent and I then was offered more roles and that's sort of how I started acting I guess it just it just happened but at the same time I dislocated my knee dancing and I just couldn't dance anymore and I was at that point where I had started point work and I'm sure you remember it was so exciting working towards that you just wanted to be on points (laughs) yeah do you remember? Yes, yeah. of course. And it's like so, that's what all the bigger, older girls were doing right. and that's yeah. the goal and that was you know, what I all mean, the practice as yeah. a junior was for to get to. Yeah. But that was about the time that I quit too. Yes. Right. <laughs> you <laughs> really do have that in common. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> I just stopped going. That was mm. it. So you've played some incredible roles throughout your acting career. What is it that makes you feel your most inspired and fulfilled as an actress? I think what makes me feel the most inspired about any project or particular role is the challenge of something I don't quite understand. And I think that's true in my personal life as well. Yeah. You know, I'm attracted to things I don't feel sure of. You like the challenge. Yeah. I, you know, I've gotten myself into hot water several times throughout my life because I'm attracted to things I don't understand or I don't (laughs) feel sure of. I think it's similar with acting. I need the challenge of something that I don't quite grasp so that I I can explore and push myself. So all the roles I've played, except for maybe a couple since I was in my early 20s, I felt like that. And the first big role I had was on the stage for the MTC in a play called Closer by Patrick Marber. Brutal play. And it was so challenging it brought up feelings of anxiety and 
questions about whether I was worthy to do it or I could, I could could achieve it and and I just pushed and pushed and pushed myself. And I, I've kind of always done that. The roles that have come after that have felt similar. I mean, mm. I felt comfortable in them because you need to feel comfortable. You have to be relaxed as an actor, otherwise you just can't deliver, yeah. you know. And so that's really important. The most important thing is relaxation. Otherwise creativity is just thwarted. But there's always been a challenge in every role. You know, there was a huge challenge, for example, with Arta Butros. And I was so attracted to her and the role and the story. I just thought it was so fabulous. And I like high drama. I like, you know, things that are heightened. And yeah. obviously I liked Offspring. I like, mm, you know. Yeah. But the pressure of playing someone, an icon, but someone that is so well known by voice even, mm. as soon as you hear her, yeah. you don't even have to see her. Uh, extra pressure on that, isn't it, there? There was, yeah. but I get that's what I I like. Yeah. I guess supposed to grow as people and as humans, we need to be taken out of our comfort zone to grow. Yes, as scary as it can be, but when yes. you come through the other side, it's such a fulfilling feeling. Of course, mm. yeah. So we'd love to know more about you as a mum. You have two <laughs> beautiful boys, yeah. Valentino and Luca. Yeah. Tell us about Asher as a mum. Uh, I mean, I was introduced to parenthood, I guess, when I met Vincent yeah. and his little boy, Luca, my stepson, was two. So really, you know, a baby. And it's no secret that Vincent and I became a family quickly. That choice was influenced a lot by Luca, actually, because I, I thought, well, there's no halfway here. I'm not going to mess around with a little child's life and come into it and then be unsure and then leave mm. it. And I, I was very conscious of that. And look, the truth is I fell in love with Luca when I fell in love with Vincent. Oh, it was just so the way it was. And he is just, as you know, just the most beautiful little human. He's so sweet, so soft and sensitive, so thoughtful, very bright and has taught me an immense amount about being a parent and wanting to be a parent and wanting to nurture. Although I, I'm not his biological mum, I've always understood that as Vincent's partner and Luca's stepmom, that our family is a family and always has been. And to nurture that has just been my priority since I met them 10 years ago. Mm. That was my introduction to parenthood really mm. was, you know, the not always easy role of a, of a step parent, mm. but one that I've I've enjoyed very much, even with its challenges. And then, of course, little Valentina. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you took a couple of years off work after giving birth to Val. How did you find that transitional stage in your life from your career to giving birth and becoming a mother? Whoa, where yeah. did we start? I mean, I guess it's that, you know, that question for any mother probably feels the same mm. internally, doesn't it? I actually had my whole pregnancy off work. So I'd worked really, really hard for a good seven years. I'd just come off to back-to-back -back projects. As quite often happens, the timing was pretty divine. I was pregnant and I had just finished yep. something big. It's meant to be. Yeah. And we were in the country at our beautiful farm and I said to Vincent, there was the possibility of going to work through my pregnancy and I said, my instinct tells me that my body and my mind won't be able to do that. So Vinny being Vinny said, of course, you just do what you need to do. I'll go along with whatever feels right for you. You must choose what feels right for you. 
So I did. And I spent my whole pregnancy in the country with my horses on the ride on mower for way too long into my pregnancy until I got I've got in a, a vision in my head of you on there. <laughs> eight and a half months pregnant. It wasn't quite eight and a half months, but it was, the it was close mower. Yeah. until I got in a lot of trouble from my obstetrician. But that was my meditation. <laughs> was sitting on the ride on mower. Whatever on works. These acres and acres of beautiful land. I just loved being out there and it was so wonderful during pregnancy particularly because I'd come out of a situation where life felt like it was really whirling around me. There was Mm. a lot of attention. Offspring was at its Mm. most popular at that point. I didn't have a lot of privacy. I was adjusting to what it felt like to not have any anonymity anymore, which is not even worth trying to describe. It's kind of so weird. Mm. Not anymore, but it was then. And so being in the country for those nine months was just absolutely okay. beautiful. So pregnancy was good. Yeah. And, you know, I am married to an Italian and he just cooked anything I wanted whenever I wanted. That's what every and pregnant woman needs. Oh, that just <laughs> sounds perfect. And was happy, was happy to nurture me in that way. So, you know, my life was really nice through yeah. the pregnancy. It's so nice to hear, I just wanted to say quickly, it's so nice to hear that you listened to your intuition and you went with that because I I mean in the world that we live in today not everyone has the opportunity to do that but I think we often shove those thoughts those natural instincts to the side and we just continue on with the fast-paced life that we all live in yeah and a lot of this trust in ourselves and as mothers and as women or just even as humans is getting lost yes and that's where a lot of complications come I think so. And, you know, whenever I haven't listened to my instinct, and there are very pointed times I'm referring to, Mm. trauma has occurred. Yeah, something goes wrong. And it's been so difficult. And I've known it's because I haven't listened to my instincts. I rarely don't listen to it now, certainly now in my... With motherhood as well, do you listen to your intuition a lot? Yes. Because I find with motherhood, it's so easy to Google something or ask a friend Mm. or a family member and they can have such an influence on you and then we don't listen to our gut. But as you said, every time you do, you get the right response from it. Mm. We've been speaking about this a lot lately, haven't we? Not second-guessing our intuition, especially Mm. when it comes to our children. Yeah, because they're your children. Yeah. This is the thing. I mean, you know, I often think about taking the children to the doctor or something like this. I'll just use an example that, Mm -hmm. that sometimes I question my instinct And I think they're the times that are really important to back yourself as a parent. Yeah, Because you know your own child. Mm. If your child is sick or you think that there's something going on, there's something underlying, Mm. and, for example, a doctor or or someone in a position of authority Mm -hmm. in your mind tells you otherwise or suggests that your instinct may be off, more often than not now, I disagree And I'd say, you know what, actually, I know and I know him. So we'll we'll just go with that. And I I think that's important to remember. Sometimes with people in authoritative positions, I can lose my instinct or question it. I've always done that as a little girl and I still do it as an adult. Not as much anymore, but I can do it. And that's a part of me that irritates. I get quite, quite cross with myself when I do that. I think I'm the same in a way, actually. Through my pregnancy, I... 
had an obstetrician and that was the path that I chose to go down and I don't regret it. It was a great experience, but I found myself constantly negotiating with her about the medical advice or the, or the procedure or the process that I should go with my right. with childbirth. And it's not that I didn't trust her. I sort of got to a point where I was like, I got myself into this position and even though I want to take it the way that I feel is right, I need to trust her medical experience because that's the position that I've put myself sure, in. Yeah. But sort of deep inside me, yeah, I felt myself constantly negotiating with her and I felt like I knew more yes. about sort of what she was saying than yes. what she was saying. Your but instincts were telling you the opposite of what she was telling you, basically. Yeah. Well, I think that's when it's important for us to question. I mean, what's the problem with asking questions? Why don't we allow ourselves to do that more? Yeah. And you I think what? a lot of people just don't have the confidence to. I think a lot of the time it's thwarted in children. Mm. Mm. Children ask questions constantly. That's what yeah. they do. But why? But yeah. why? <laughs> but why? But how to does the this point happen where with it? Drives you no, crazy. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's so important to yeah. not always answer them, but ask them. Well, why do you think? Yes. You know, and allow them to use their own minds but to try not to stop them from asking questions because I think that's what happens. And yeah, not to shut them down when they do ask those questions. That's right. And give them the answers all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So you were talking about before in some of the roles that you play, how influenced you get by that and how it impacts you and how it mm. helps you grow. Have you found that your perspective on your own life since having kids has also changed or that's really influenced oh, yes. your perspective? Uh, enormously. I've had a lot of really interesting experiences in my life. I feel really I feel really lucky that I've had so many different experiences and opportunities to grow. But nothing has been as life-changing as having Val. When I had a baby in my arms to look after, whatever self-involvement was was there like all all new mums pretty much disappeared. Things that used to matter or you used to worry about, I found when I became a mum, just seemed so irrelevant. Mm. Like little things that would really mm. bug me or upset me. It's like, oh, oh my God. The time you wasted. You know? I know. Yeah, yeah, the time you wasted. Agonising. I mean, th- I think about this all the time. The time I wasted <laughs> agonising over things that are so irrelevant. Fruitless. To, yeah. <laughs> to, to life and life's path. Yeah. You know? what, what's the point? Yeah. I enjoy life so much more now yeah. with the kids. I really do. So let's talk about Vincent for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> for those who may not know, he's a world-renowned portrait artist, had many, many award-winning works. He's an incredibly talented man. I know you've spoken before about having an instant connection with him when you yes. met, but I'd love to hear more about that from your perspective. You know, Vincent and I have learnt so much from each other. When we met, he's he's. Ex- extraordinarily charming and disarming (laughs) he's he's very gifted and he was immediately sensitive too but also chaotic yeah and so when I met him I really didn't have any understanding of where that chaos came from and why it was there and initially I thought is there some kind of detachment there from him? Although he's so engaged and he's so involved yeah. and he always has been from day one, there was something about him that I couldn't quite grasp or understand. And when I realised that it was his dyslexia that I was confused by because it presents for him in many different ways. Yep. It's not just about reading and writing or it's memory and attention yep. span. Once I recognised that that was what I was struggling with, 
that was the point where he he was really honest with me. And, and, and everything made any sense to you after that? It did. You know, I have to say now it's great and we, we function really well together and our understanding of each other is incredibly deep. But it's taken a long time to get there and I think my most enjoyable challenge <laughs> has been understanding and appreciating the way Vincent's mind works. He's unique. He's so unique. And so I'm just compelled by him. But I have had to grow in flexibility and understanding of the way different minds work. Yeah. And he his is an extraordinary mind. So Soph and I both saw the Australian story special on Vincent right. a couple of years back and we both sort of connected and were really drawn to one thing in particular, which was the very positive and very constructive approach you have to Vincent and his dyslexia. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about the role it plays in yours and your family's sort of everyday Mm. life? Well, it offers us so much now. This is how I see it and how I feel about it now. Once I got to the point where I really understood where he was coming from, and how what he has to offer in terms of the way he thinks, which is, you know, sometimes far more creative than the way I think. It offers so much. I hope that the children, our kids, are experiencing multiple views of the world and themselves mm. Mm. because we come at things in such different ways, Vincent and I, but we always meet in the middle. There's never a point where we don't connect on something. You're always a team. Yes. So even though there may be robust difference in opinion in our house. But that's good, I think, to have different opinions and to talk them through. I think so too. I think it's good. We're really okay with that, both of us now. It's never a fight. There's never something we can't resolve. There's always the safety and the assurance now, after 10 years, that we know that we will resolve anything and it will be an outcome that's really great for all of us in the family. So, um, you know, I mean, Vincent's big thing with neurodiversity is that he just backs it so much and he's kind of such a great example of it because he's so determined to bring awareness to the empowerment that he feels having now accepted that his brain works in a different way to the neurotypical one. To normalise it a little bit as well. And make it acceptable that it is not a deficit in someone. It's Mm. not a disability, dyslexia, autism. They're gifts. So he's committed to that and I'm committed to that because I know it. Mm. So given you and Vincent are both incredibly creative, Mm. I saw the amazing article in Marie Claire last year where he photographed you. Those pictures were spectacular. In your own home. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Hang on. Getting there. So do you you and Vincent enjoy working together in a creative sense and have you done this much before or do you want to continue to do this? We've always worked together. Yeah. We work together all day, every day, whether I'm on a shoot in another location or at home with him or in the studio with him. We are we bounce off each other creatively all day. That is so great. Yeah. I love that because a lot of couples in creative relationships say they can't work together I in know, that way. Right. They really yeah. clash. No, we really need it. Yeah. So and and that was an adjustment for me though early on too, is because Vincent really needs that. He wants that assurance and that alignment with another creative. I haven't always been like that and I found that also a challenge with Vincent is that he wants to be involved 
24 hours a day. I suppose maybe about six, seven years ago, it was yeah. about six years ago, we really made the choice to live and breathe work and life together yeah. instead of keeping things separate. Yeah. Once we really partnered creatively, the trust in our relationship just grew so much. And so it's just a comfortable place for us. It's the way it works best for us. Is that the sort of flexibility that you were saying that you've had to learn or adapt because of his dyslexia and because of the way that his mind works? Do you think that that's part of how your relationship has intertwined more? I I think that's right. And maybe too, I've always wanted that kind of fierce involvement with someone. I've lived a lot of my life in quite an individual way, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Until I met Vincent, where they just, I met someone that felt so fiercely passionate about Mm. me and wanted to be with me that I kind of allowed myself to feel that way too for the first time. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing about relationships, really, isn't it? How someone else can influence you in such a, not even just necessarily a positive way, but in a way that you never expected. Yeah. A way that you didn't see something within yourself that they saw within you. It's really healthy. You know, once. I dropped some some walls and some barriers, mm. ones that I thought were necessary to protect myself. Mm-hmm. I got to the point where I accepted that I was safe and yep. that I could trust him. We were good. It was great that you really mentioned neurodiversity because I think it's really important to have these conversations and mm. normalise these variations and differences in people mm. that traditionally have a bit of a stigma attached to them. I mean, how wonderful that people's brains work in different ways. Yes. It should be celebrated. It's incredible. It what, should be celebrated. How do we not celebrate this? Right? How was that term coined only in 1998? It's reasonably new, right? You know, I mean, mm. I sort of still can't believe that. I know. But imagine the isolation that children like Vincent would have feel. felt yeah. growing up. We should embrace and we need to embrace neurodiversity. Mm. Anyone should be lucky if they get to, you know, experience and have Vincent in their life. Yeah. yeah. Because, as you said, he's so unique and gifted. I and think gifted, you said. incredibly mm. gifted, and mm. that should be celebrated. Mm. Oh, me too. I yeah. know. These sorts of concepts or conversations have only become more prevalent in my mind since having a child as well. Before, like we talked about before, you know, you're sort of so self-indulged in a way before mm. you have children. Like mm. you only care about yourself or the close people around you. And then suddenly when you have children, well, for me personally, it's kind of really opened my mind. You know, you don't know how your child's going to turn out. You don't know who they're going to be or 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 the mm. way that they're going to turn out. So you want to celebrate the differences in everyone and give them an opportunity to yeah. just be them. And I think important to talk to our kids about it at the moment as well, mm. so that we're not just discussing the challenges of COVID and the pandemic yeah. and the, you know, <sighs> and so they're not true. just asking questions about that, but we actually talk about the different ways in which it's expanding our world socially and culturally and in every way Mm. that we talk to them about the things that we're trying to understand and we're trying to grasp but not treating them just like their children all the time actually you know opening up their minds and telling them about being honest yeah 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 you know not instilling fear in them that oh my god you know Mm. we're in a pandemic it's COVID because that's what they probably hear from their friends at school, mm, mm. hear from the news. The the news. Television. Yeah. So I think it's nice to kind of explain to them the bigger picture. Mm. So as a mum, is there something that you feel that's important to you that you want to instill into Valentino and Luca as they grow up? 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, probably not dissimilar to most parents. I really want them to feel confident in themselves. Yeah. In a balanced way, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> They're both confident at the moment and I, I really don't want to see that crushed in any way or hampered. I want them to feel safe first and foremost, emotionally and physically. And Vincent and I have always been all about that, that that's the priority. Just make sure they feel safe so that they can enjoy themselves without worry. You know, with boys too and boys that are 11 and and 6 at the moment, I'm really conscious of the letting go that needs to happen on my part as a mum. Yep. But still being there to guide mm. and make sure that they feel confident in their choices and I'm re- that's very present for me at the moment with Luca as well, you know, Going into the teenagers. Yeah, Mm. uh, to encourage independence, even though it's so much quicker if I just do it. Yeah. You know, I I just, (laughs) that's, it's just, it's it's really important. I'm really conscious of that at the moment. You know, you can do this. You can look after yourself in this way. And I'll teach you, I'll Mm. help you. But you got to start doing some of these things yourself mm. because it's for them to do that. So it makes me feel emotional like, as a parent, like <laughs> letting go and yeah. even even Nina in prep, like, you know, getting themselves dressed or doing their yes. bags. It's like, as you said, it's so much easier to just do it, yeah. but you have to I let them really grow. Yeah. Oh, you're oh. willing up, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. But it's really important. It's so you? important. Yeah. And, yeah, to give them that kind of yeah. confidence independence. and independence. Yeah. I think it's like you said, it's just in the background making them feel safe is like the most important thing. Most important. Because it does allow them to make mistakes, make choices, sort of be their own person and give them that confidence to do that because they know that at the end of the day they come from a safe, loving environment and that's all that matters. But the letting go thing is a funny thing. Somebody once said to me that from the moment that you give birth is actually the moment that you – start the process of letting go of your child. And this was before Yeah, yeah, this was before I had a baby. So I didn't sort of get my head around the concept. But I think about it, it plays on my mind a lot now because it's so true Mm. that they develop so quickly. You do everything to assist and nurture that development. And then you're so proud when they do learn something new. But then at the same time it's like one more little step that they're more independent and, yes. they're, and they're less dependent on you. It's a yes. wild concept yeah, because yeah. as humans, like children are so dependent on us as babies yes. as well. So yeah. it's an interesting concept. I know, isn't it? Yeah. They're real. But I sort of don't look forward to the – I should be looking forward to it, but I don't look forward to the stages that you're talking about where they're like going off and well, doing things. Well, it is things. a bit scary. But yeah, that, a bit scary. I mean, I, you know, Vincent and I are feeling a little scared as, as Luca moves towards ad- adolescence. But, mm. Well, he's at the beginning of it. But, you know – we're also excited for him and, yeah. and I don't want our fear, to, I don't want any of our fears to no. project onto him. So we're, we're really trying to pull <laughs> yeah. each other up at the moment if we hear each other kind of holding on too tight yeah. or Like I'm just going to go cry allowing. in the cupboard, have a good day <laughs> at school. Go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean you just kind of got to. You just got to try for them mm. because it's only for them, you know. It's the best thing for them to try and nurture that independence, I guess. Yeah. So, Asha, tell us what you do just for you. I read. Nice. So that's my thing. I look at other people or I, I hear other people saying, oh, I'm, you know, I, 
go to this day spa or I go and go away for a weekend or whatever. I don't want to go away by myself mm. for a weekend. I've spent so many years in hotel rooms by myself. Yep. I have no desire to be by myself anymore. I want to be with my family. Yep. However, when they're still all awake at 9, 30, 10 o'clock and I want to <laughs> read my book. Get to bed. That's right. So <laughs> look, reading is my absolute joy and escape. I read constantly and it makes me happy and I love learning more now than I ever did. Mm. So, so yeah, just that's, my, that's thing. my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thing. starting to really enjoy reading. <laughs> right. Well, I always liked it, but I never kind of prioritised to do okay. it. It was mm. never like first thing on my list. Yes. But I do sleep a lot better when I read before yeah, bed. And, yeah. yeah. But I'm with you on like enjoying learning more too yes. because I'm just sort of getting into that phase of my life I feel yeah. like too where I really – I feel like I spent so many years going through school and yeah. the education system and almost feeling like forced to learn that I had in my mind that like I didn't enjoy learning. Mm. But now I just love. Can't get enough. Can't get enough. Me too. And, and <laughs> there's so much to learn. Yeah, there's so much to learn. Yeah. Yes. So that that's my thing. That's my escape. Everyone knows in the family. Everyone understands that that's mummy's time. Sometimes I go if you know if if Val is feeling a little a little bullshit <laughs> at night time and and says I'm you know no I'm just not tired yet Mum my energy's up to here I mean he's got so much energy this kid hasn't he he's, he's got so, so much on. energy he's really full on yeah he's he's really up for life you know there's no wind down at night time for Val there is for Luca they're really different but for Val it's literally. Somersaults on the bed. My girls are like that too at bedtime. Now flips, which are yeah. really freaking me out. <laughs> Until he crashes? Until or? he lies down and he li- he's asleep in 30 to 60 seconds. Yeah, so he just yeah. is like Nina, go, go, go yeah, until he crashes same. out. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So they know though and sometimes some nights when he's like that and he's just not ready to sleep, I say, it's okay, mummy's going to bed to read. So when you're ready, let me know and I'll come and say goodnight. And I'm trying to do that too so he has his – he can do his routine at night, like go to the toilet, brush his teeth and instead of me standing over him or helping him to do that, he knows how to do that. Mm. So he's starting to enjoy that little bit of mm. change and independence too, mm. which gives me a little bit more time to Reach. nosedive into a book. <laughs> Perfect. <Yeah. laughs> um, we could keep talking to you all day and I really don't <laughs> want to wrap up the conversation but I do have one more question because yeah. I'm desperate to hear about your new TV series nine yeah. perfect strangers I can't wait to watch yeah, it looks great. so good I'm so intrigued actually I can't yeah. wait to watch either and you star alongside a huge lineup which is amazing and coincidentally through our podcast this season we're actually exploring well-being and what makes up a healthy and happy life. And this show actually takes place in a wellness retreat. Yes. Right? Yes. With a twist to the to the, con- <laughs> to the concept <laughs> from what I it's can see. It's going Yeah. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about it? It was extraordinary actually. It was six, mm. six months in Byron Bay last year. Okay. And with a really fantastic group of people and creatives, wonderful director, uh, Jonathan Levine and and Bruna Papandrea producers Jody Madison were really really great. David E Kelly, for goodness sake, it was mm. amazing. Great writing, fantastic people, mm. incredibly challenging character, <laughs> which took me months to recover from actually. And usually really? I'm pretty good. I can snap back. Do you stay kind of in that headspace? I or did that in zone? this one. 
Okay. Not with every character, but I did in this one. This one was confronting and the emotional output was huge which why which is why uh, um, when I returned to Melbourne it was it was a good few months at home by myself I mean I really didn't engage with anybody yeah. I play a woman who loses her child he takes his own life at 18 so the material was oh, difficult yeah but I appreciated it so much though and it was so well written and I I, I was working with Michael Shannon, who's got to be one of the most extraordinary actors and gentlemen in the world. And we went on this journey together and, yes, it was rigorous and uh, physically and emotionally, actually. But I'm so grateful for it. I really ha- – it was an incredible time. And I think it's going to be really entertaining. There's so many diverse characters. There's so many interesting journeys, all the nine characters – and the woman who runs the wellness retreat, <laughs> yeah. retreat uh, played by Nicole Kidman, of course. Uh, very interesting personalities, yeah. very interesting experiences in lives. And um, the, the theme of well-being and what that means and how after trauma or tragedy you can keep actually keep living, mm. which was very – was the question for my character mm, as yeah. a mother. How can I actually even keep living? The themes that are explored are – I guess, you know, I mean, I don't think we can call them, I don't think we can label them as dark anymore. I think that well-being is a, and mental health are issues that we, I think we're all feeling more comfortable to discuss yeah. now and, and the challenges that we're all presented with on a daily basis, raising families or working, particularly if trauma has been experienced and Everyone experiences trauma at different times in their life, you know. So there are a lot of questions in the show which I really liked yep. and appreciated and found difficult and rigorous. But I, re- I really did also at the same time <laughs> enjoy it because it was a fabulous shoot. Yeah, can't yeah. wait to watch. I find it really difficult to watch any shows around tra- tragedies with children. Of course. Having, yeah. So I can't imagine playing well, a character. Well, that's right. That, I mean, I can't I – f- I find it incredibly hard too. Yeah. But I wasn't really going to say no. No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I did – you know, I knew it would be – I knew it would require an inve- a really big investment mm. emotionally and mm. and Vincent did too and you've got to think about your family as well, yeah. you know, because I'm going home at night to be mum yeah, and, uh, you know, and, and the kids are telling me what they've done during the day and wanting me to play Uno and and let's go for a swim now and re- really I can't really go back to living in the moment. Living in the moment yeah. and being present and so I have to do that too and I want to do that. Mm. So, yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, well, I can't wait. I can't I wait can't to wait. watch. Yeah. Asha, thank you so much for giving Pleasure. us your time today and great sharing to to you both. so many beautiful insights into you and your family. It's been lovely and we really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Oh, thank you. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common. Or you can check out our Facebook page, which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening.